episode of Intersection, Clyde Vedran and myself talked about the NBA's restart in the Orlando bubble, its possible implications to the future formats of the competition, as well as the influence it will exert to other major leagues. Let's get to it. The NBA is imminent. Now there's, there's real risk and actually fear into that not happening or stopping somehow because, you know, players have been a yeah, bit aloof. Buzzer, yeah. um, then there are some stars that have been testing positive outside of the bubble, so they haven't come back to train. And basically, we are two weeks away, right, from, yeah. from yeah. the start. Yeah. So, for example, any positive now of players that are supposed to play, that means that that player is not starting with the with the competition. It's not going to be even in the bubble. They will, you know, put them out of the bubble even. Uh, so I think that's uh, you know that's the risk that you you take. Uh, I I read you know the article in terms of the the different measures that they've been implementing, which are mm. far deeper uh, than what you know people would would expect or that I said, you know understood before. Uh, it's uh, and actually you are kind of uh, I, I don't know if you're if you are uh, following uh, the, this the rookie of uh, the Sixers Matisse Matisse Tiboulet is uh, his his name. Mm. Uh, it, it's a strange name like that. I don't know. I don't uh, something know. like that. Yeah. I I saw you holding out not to to embarrass yourself, but anyhow. <laughs> so they call him Tease. All and all these guys in the video. So I'm start calling him Tease. So. Uh, uh, Tease is is doing a very good job in terms of. I mean, actually, it's it's not the only player. I mean, I as far as I saw in in, in YouTube, at least there are like six, seven players that are doing their own like documentary of the experience. You know, Javale McGee. You know, a lot of players are doing that, and of course the NBA, the teams, and so on. So what you're seeing, I, I was seeing his episodes a couple of days ago, and you know, day one, day two, and, and how the process in terms of how they got into to the to the bubble and, and the testing and all that, and, and actually was very, very rigorous. And they are tracking everything and every move that they are doing from even in the hotels or the, or the rooms mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and with, the, with the magic band of Disney. Yeah. So they need to check in in every space that they go in. So I suppose that they are tracing even that within the, the compound. Seems that there are there are you know there are several hotels within the, the, the complex, but of course are, there are teams that are sharing hotels as well. One noticeably I think there was some comments on social media that there was a player that was hearing some noise and he didn't know where it came from. And it seems that it was from a player from another team above him, you know, pumping iron and, and doing some gym work. I think that was a complaint against Jimmy Butler, wasn't it? That there was like disturbance in the hotel. Yeah, there was also a complaint against Jimmy Butler. I think there's going to be a lot of crazy stories that some will be funny and others will be, you know, borderline irresponsible. But I think, I mean, that happens when you have a bunch of guys that's locked up in in one space and having, being used to having the freedom to do whatever they want and now not, not having that. But like like many comments uh, that I've read online and different articles and social media, I think the NBA has proven that they have taken every possible measure that they could they could to have it yeah. going. 
and it, it will be interesting to see. I actually, based on our last conversation, I, I've been thinking I can't wait to for it to see a, to see the league start again. Um, and I want to see what's gonna. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think will be the implications? I haven't read anything about uh, the implications for for TV deals and things like that, which was something that we touched upon how it yeah. works for the NBA on the previous conversation. I'm wondering how will this be? I mean, because this naturally changes things since obviously everything will be centralized, at least in terms of production. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for what I've read or actually, you know, following a lot of people and, and seeing what's happening there, you have a huge contingent, dozens of journalists, dozens of, you know, TV employees as well uh, within the bubble following the same controls that, that the players have. So what I assume is that even though if they are not, let's say, producing the same amount of, of games or the exact, you know, missing amount of games, which I think they are close because as you, you saw, they design a tournament that has like a, a seeding pre-tournament then mm. starts the full thing, which is going to be the playoffs, let's say. And then you have, you know, kind of the normal uh, development of, of playoffs towards finals and championship, right? I, I think I think that that will cover for the missing inventory that the TVs might be facing. Most certainly because of the disruption, because of the hiatus, there probably are sums of money that will remain to be unpaid. But I think in terms of controlling the hemorrhage and actually being able to contain the situation and actually, you know, evolve forward i think that should be should be sufficient you know and, and it's going to be probably the most anticipated and highly expected you know reminder or back end of a season that you can imagine just because of the situation i mean would would this means that i i I'm, I'm more leaning to to kind of go and and think further in terms of the editorial part of it the storyline and narrative of it Will this championship be tainted? Let's say, will, will it have an asterisk? Is there any advantage to it or not? I mean, we've seen some some reports in terms that the you know the home the home court or the home pitch advantage in mm -hmm. football in Europe, you know, hasn't been such, especially in the two big leagues in in the Premier League and the Spanish league. It's it's without an audience, so I think the home court advantage has always been reflected about the energy that the city, that the fans in the stadium have, and not having fans in the stadium, like certainly it's like playing in a neutral game. You saw that, I guess, whether you can actually speak to that, since you guys over there have a lot of history of close closed door games, Red yeah. Star, and so on. <laughs> so. It's, no, but, there's but no advantage honest, when you honest, have that. In the case of the NBA, and that's something that I, I want to, you know, throw at you to, to see what you think. It's the NBA, but there are vastly different court experiences across the league. So it's not the same going to Utah or playing in New York or Golden State. in LA or Golden State or or in denver i mean it's not the same and 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 that's something that that of course for those teams is a disadvantage 
which now thinking out loud, but I don't know which one of those are part of the bubble tournament or not. But in the end, you know, it's a showcase that is based on on, on the individual talents of the stars and, and the teams that are around those. I, I guess that it wouldn't mean much in terms of the home court or not. I don't know if you want to say something. I can jump in and, and, and because I've been actually today been thinking about a lot what would this mean for actually not just this year obviously this is unprecedented you're doing it hopefully they won't put an asterisk to the championship other than just to say this was the year of COVID-19 which 2020 uh, before the championship should be enough to explain that this is a crazy year and uh, and all that happened but I, what I've been thinking about a lot today is for instance the competitiveness uh, of or the attractiveness of an event seldom is, is related to where it's being held actually um, and if you think about it like that you have perhaps one of the biggest events in the world in the champions league champions league final pretty much is always held in a neutral spot spot it changes from city city to city and soccer here in europe you have march madness which is by far one of the most exciting products there is in terms of basketball out there and it's held all, over, all across the United States, and, and it's, a, it's a different structure of it, but it's, then you are like spending a weekend in, in one different city. What else? The World Cups, so on and so on. So like this, this is something that shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be like an issue. And what I saw it is that for the future, since we're already talking that, you know, the, the, the dates of the season will be changed for next year already. So the season will start later. And then usually what would that mean would that be that there's a new date now for the for all the for all the the upcoming seasons after that and when we were discussing before about how do we spice up the the, the product itself in general with like maybe some in in, in tournament or in inner cup of, of of the league and i kept thinking about the problem of tanking right for especially in the past few years you had a lot of teams tanking just to get a higher probability to you know pick the then on the highest spots on the draft and what we discussed last time about having some sort of cup that would be you know we'd raise that competition and would allow let's say smaller market teams or or just unfortunate teams on a season that have a losing record and, and can't make the playoff to compete to win the right to actually win something which would be when you know the highest pick in the in the in the year's draft would be an interesting twist to the whole thing because you would have let's say up to 14 teams that don't make the, make a playoff run let's say they do away with the conferences and you would have a you could have a pretty much a two-week tournament very similar to what march madness obviously in a more more reduced time and you would have you would have high an intense competition where let's say 16 and 17 uh 17 and 18 teams actually get a buy-in from the first round and the rest of the team duke it out. And then you have like this two week tournament of, of short series and then like one championship or one cup winner that actually gets to pick first in the draft. I mean, uh, that, I don't think that would be fair though, because there's a lot of teams that are sort of on the bubble. They barely don't make the, the playoffs. And if you give them the first pick, second pick, that goes away with the fundamentals of the lottery. You know, that the, the worst teams get the first pick. If, I mean, even, 
if you don't get yeah. rid of the conferences, Western Conference is by far the more quality, you know, has more quality. You would have team like, I don't know, I'm just saying off the top of my head, somebody in the future years could be Portland, you know, and they get a first pick. That would be a like a Len Bias type of thing, you know, 30, 40 years ago where Celtics go off the title and then get Len Bias. Sure, tragic story, but that yeah. those type of days, I don't think, That, that, that would have been, possible. yeah, uh, against yeah, I think, but, I think but, it, it defeats the purpose because, the, mind you, that there are two or three elements in general and, and broad terms that actually are defined to be able to maintain equilibrium and competitive balance, which is the, the lottery and the draft. Uh, actually, the draft was reversibly proportional before, and then they introduced the lottery and, you know, to kind of, introduce some more uh, a bit more of drama and a bit more of uh, of uh, let's say mitigating the fact that you will play to be the worst team to get the first pick so it's it's uh, it's like a, like a compounded thing but then, right. then but there there's a you know the salary caps and all that so i i honestly think that a tournament for the pick would would will actually go against the principle of equilibrium because you have those teams that you know are are in the bubble for the lottery, yeah. which are very good teams and actually could be a very bad stretch. So if you give him the first pick, that's a contender altogether. So it's Absolutely. a bit unfair. I, I don't see that happening. But I think the system in itself is broken because I don't think the draft now as it stands, it should be about fairness, just fairness of I'm the worst team in the league, I should get the first pick. Because most likely you get the first pick and you're still the worst team in the league the next year. But yeah, but there, there's, then, an, there's another component there on the draft. There's another component, which is the economics component. Mm -hmm. And actually, because what you are now uh, rewarding, you're not rewarding about performance, so you're giving a tool for equilibrium. But what you're rewarding a team is that if they are not you know, competitive enough to get to the playoffs or win a championship, but, but you need them because you need a league of 30, what you give them is a tool that if they are very efficient in the economics part, in terms of salaries, in terms of that part of the equilibrium, they can trade with that tool to rebuild the model and be, you know, mildly competitive. Um, and then that the benefit goes to another guy. Unless you're the Knicks. Precisely. <laughs> no, that's not the Knicks. Well. I mean, we're not talking about the Knicks. <laughs> but, but that's exactly my point. For instance, it's like your, your, like, let's say Portland gets in that bubble. That's the first time that you would, we would try this hypothetical scenario. And Portland is a very deep team. It's very good. They could very well be competing in the playoffs. They don't make it. They go to this, the, this side tournament, and they actually win and get another first pick. Maybe given that, that, that missing piece that they, they were lacking that made them miss the playoffs before. But then you won't have Portland the following year. Hopefully, you won't have Portland in the following year competing in this tournament. They would be in the playoffs, and you would have a different team doing this, competing in this. And the bubble changes. And this is why what my thinking was was directed in, in that, because I think what the system is doing now is actually rewarding bad performance. And as a product, that's not what you want. You don't want to have teams or cities that for the last two, three weeks of the season They're, they're just dead because everybody knows their team is tanking, trying to just get, get a, a better thing. And you are actually missing an opportunity to, to upsell your, your audience in those particular markets that usually you know, come to mind, Minnesota and things, things like that. I think, I think honestly that if you want to have a tournament for, let's say, the bottom part of it, the non-playoff teams, 
I think it's more fair and even more interesting, especially for the players, if you make it about money. You play for a salary cap ex ex exemption. Mm. That goes to you know the players getting paid a bit uh, a bit more, and actually creating salary cap to find a free uh, to, to sign a free agency. You know why? Because the the number one incentive for a professional basketball player, and we discussed that in the, in the previous episode, is the money part, because the championship is only it is only fifteen out of roughly four hundred and fifty players that will get it that year. So if you get a shot, evidently you want the chip. But what you want to is to get paid and to get paid at your market value. So I would actually have a tournament because that also will incentivize the general management of that team. Say, okay, we might not make the playoffs, but because the lottery is a lottery and depends on other factors, what we could play for is to have, you know, uh, uh, a max Mind salary slot. Keep, keep in mind that there's there's heavy incentives by the league and, and, and individual contracts just for making the players. Yeah, in, of course, of course. But 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 and then and then winning. But it's not it's not the same all, as you well, having a, a max salary slot. I'm bringing definitely. you know a guy that makes you a contender right off the bat. You don't have definitely. to develop a number one pick. I just think that the draft system as it stands and the level of competition that we have today. The draft we have to remember that the draft is from an era when one player actually can make a difference. Now the game, the game today, it's no longer the case. You you can't win with one guy. Even Carl Anthony Towns, which by far is, is one of the best uh, big men, more versatile big man players in the game. He coming into Minnesota, having already pieces before like Andrew Wiggins and so on, they, they got better, but they didn't win, you know? So like you need, that's a team that would be in this particular tournament, maybe would be able to, Instead of a, a rebuilding process of three, four years, maybe you could rebuild in two because you, you are competing in this tournament, you're, you're ranking very high in, in the draft, and you get the, the pieces that you're missing, and you you know go on and compete on the playoffs. It was, it was something that was, I was percolating on yeah. all day. And, but in the end, it goes, it goes to the GM and the scouting team. It's like an art because you saw, I mean, uh, those are top picks, but, you know, Pagasol was number three. No, Third pick by the Hawks. Yeah. Luca Doncic, third pick by the Hawks. Um, yeah. Then you have other picks like uh, you know Tony Parker. He was way down, not even lower. Twenty twenty ninth, I think, was twenty yeah. ninth. Uh, you have you know <laughs> Margasol was second round. Yeah, just um, getting getting Mano a first Ginobili pick was second round. Uh, your yeah. kids second but, but round. Then, but then we're praising we're praising. Uh, 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 no, I mean those are those are also yeah. one in a kind players, but in, in in general, I think that there there's of course everyone wants the number one pick, but I think that the biggest incentive is because of the value that a number one pick will have in three years time, either for your specific project, especially if you pick the guy that everyone thinks is going to be the number one pick, because that has happened before as well, especially you know with with the with the draft in which uh, KD went second. You know, everyone wanted Greg Oden, but but everyone really thought that you know KD as the man, and our guy went third actually. But mm -hmm. yeah. actually, the, the idea is that you build. If, evidently, if you have the choice to to be the number one pick or, or you know a lottery pick in general, you try to be very precise in your selection because it needs to add value in the short term, or 
be an asset for long-term value. And that's, how, you know, in a very simplistic nutshell, that's the GM's work, right? But in general, I think that no draft has produced, probably LeBron was the last one, it, you know, top of mind. Yeah, uh, an instant contender type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, LeBron and Melo, because Melo also brought Denver to uh, Halle. Yeah, but that was the same draft, right? Yeah. Yeah, third, third was, pick yeah. was he? Melo was third pick. Darko Milicic was second. Yeah, let's not talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, but, yeah, I don't that, see, but that's my point. I, I, like, draft, I mean, the new game drafts uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to. No, you of course know, not. I mean, it's, it's just one more piece about you know exactly. how well you did uh, in terms of you know having the number one pick, but a max slot, so you can bring a free agent and develop a guy and have you know all the, exactly. the necessary pieces in between. Yeah. And when you look at it from that point, you're you're obviously it's usually teams that are in a process of rebuilding or just started rebuilding, and those are processes that take five to six years, maybe sometimes even more. And if you go back, remember the conversations on, on the on the last dance in Jordan, what he was saying, like he was in '98, he was willing to play a couple more years, but he was just willing to play for one coach, and that coach didn't want to rebuild, you know. So like. Yeah. If rebuilding processes would be shorter, you would have a higher level of competition. But it depends. You, know, huh? you, would, because, you, would, you would have you know, the a, a, a different product to offer your market. So this market team, these teams are in, this, in, 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 in several markets that, you know, don't make the playoffs any years. They would have something extra to, to offer. And, yeah. you know, they can at the same time build faster probably. Uh, and maybe I think, even I think it depends. I think it depends on, on management actually because you have the Sixers you know they kind of rebuild really fast really really fast well you know, uh, not really no you you have joel and then then you have uh you know uh i mean the kid ben uh, simmons ben simmons and then all of a but sudden you know they kind of move their pieces around they created the cap the, the cap space and and, and yeah but that theory was, they became contenders right I'm mistaken. That was almost eight years uh, being out of competition. Eight years, something like that, before they got the, the, those final pieces. Uh, uh, yeah, but you had to wait for those pieces to have Joel and to have Ben. But so then they also. In this, yeah, in essence, you you cannot plan for that. I mean, it it, it started eight, eight years ago, but actually, it really started three, four years ago. It it didn't start longer than that. But he, again, and it's no guarantee. I mean, they were supposed to, you know, going to be the, the team to be in the East, other than the Bucks, and and you know they struggle. And now we'll see with this with this tournament mm -hmm. how, how what it happens. But but I, I think right, that uh, in general, it's it's a uh, Toronto, you know, Masai, you know, who yeah. knew? I mean, I think I think sorry, I, guess, yeah, it's just, I think yeah, for me the game is not so much about getting the first pick but more about accumulating assets so that one of those if one of those top 10 becomes available that you have the assets i mean sixers as you use the example they were doing a rebuild and all of a sudden realized they could get both jimmy butler and tobias harris and then kind of abruptly stopped the rebuild because they had the assets same with boston they had all these picks from brooklyn and then they went out and got i don't know Kyrie, whatever these to me first pick there is no guarantee you can never, like Zion, it blew out, whatever, his, his ankle is his gone for half a year. But every year, if you keep getting them, then when the time is right, you could get an Anthony Davis. You can get a Carl Anthony Towns. So this is about accumulation of assets for me more than 
you know, and keep it afloat until then. Yeah. Even more now because in in our last episode we were discussing about you know if we thought you know kids from high school or you know one two years of college came ready now with these alternative processes for development that means that eventually and in a very short time frame the topics will be even more developed already so you have players more more game ready so you know it has the value to actually be able to pick Luca first or Trey for Luca at, at the first uh, point or Lamelo Ball or whomever it is you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i remember in the in the year that Al got picked uh, so out of those so they Portland and uh, that year was Seattle second second pick uh, before they did the move to uh, to Oklahoma City but actually the team that that actually improved because it was missing just that piece was the Hawks and with Al, they made it. They made a deep run in the playoffs in his rookie year. Uh, they had a few veterans around. Uh, the other pick that they got, if I'm not mistaken, was pick 11, and they did. They picked AC Law, who played a couple of years in the league. He was very, very versatile guard. But it, having those two lottery picks really just jumped them, and pretty much just having the pick of Al. Oh, AC Law to time your league champion. AC Law. Yeah, yeah, he's a great player in Europe. He played in Partizan yeah, for two years. He killed in Olympiacos, two years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not not knocking on AC Love by, by far. I mean, he was a he was a college uh, superstar too. Like he, he had a great run what, in the tournaments. Uh, what, Texas what, A&M. Which college you won? Yeah. A&M, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I remember AC Love. I used to like his game a lot. Uh, even coming out of college, he had a really good run that year that actually propelled him to be a lottery pick. Um, at the same time. Yeah, in the NBA, his game unfortunately just didn't didn't translate. But in Europe, as you said, it it, it killed. But uh, yeah. to quote great Jane player, Martin, a great guy, yeah. very very good guy to work with. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to you know to do a couple of media days over there in in Piraeus, and, and you know, I mean yeah. that those years were outstanding. You know, seeing them coming back to win those finals, amazing. I, I mean, I wanted I wanted to 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 touch on the. On, on the tournament itself, and, and I know that I mentioned that I hope, and actually we all hope that it's not tainted, that it's, uh, but you know, in, in the perception of us fans, the asterisk will come or not, depending if it fits the previous narrative. I mean, if the, if the championship is won by one of the contenders, either the Bucks, the Lakers, um, you know, who else is there that could be the, the Celtics? I mean, Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. I mean, that kind of fits the narrative that we were seeing before, even the Mavs, I would say. But actually, the thing is that if then all of a sudden, because of anything in the receiving tournament or in the games and everything, you have, you know, you know, one, one team out of left field that wins it, what, what that will mean for the fans, you know what I mean? I mean, but but a championship is a championship. Doesn't really matter yeah, how you course, win it. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a chip. And I, and I think there's going to be a lot of whoever wins it. There's going to be a lot of emotion because I mean, a few days ago, you know, Zidane and Madrid they won this title, and he cried. And he's not an emotional person. And a lot of it, why he cried, was because of the emotion of it coming out of COVID and just being emotionally charged. Now multiply that by ten in the U.S. with COVID with the Black Lives Matter movement, with Kobe, I think it's going to be whoever wins it. It's still, I think, I don't think there's going to be anything taken away to it. And you I know mean, Americans love, 
they love a Cinderella story. So if yeah. Portland wins it, then it would be great. But um, I, mean, I think this 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 year is gonna be is going to be something uh, completely. <laughs> Completely, I was saying bye like Dane in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. great if he wins it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean Dame is one of my favorite players. I, I would love to see and they have they have a really cool team. But it's 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 a long shot. I think uh, it's gonna be between the teams that, that we already mentioned, mainly the Lakers and, and uh and the Bucks are its favorite. So let's see let's see what's gonna happen there. What um, one thing that one thing that now I'm switching sports altogether, but I think it's it's very important. I mean, we we'll try to, to keep it. I wanted to. I wanted to actually. Can you hold that thought? Because I wanted to actually bring it in in terms of the what your point of of the you know the feeling of, of the asterisks and all this. Like MLB started. And, Ooh, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, but that I wanted to, to touch on that because I think that uh, one it started. I'm a, I'm a fan, and it, I, I I didn't know that it started. I don't know what happened to me. Yeah, it was strange. Yeah. Yeah, like all of a sudden, yeah, you have baseball here, and you have you see players, you know, running with the mask on, and I mean, crazy. But I think the more the logistics part, and we we discussed earlier that, you know, the NBA did put all the measures, and they did this bubble, they contained that. Now the big question mark actually is next season, and you know how that plays out if everyone will go play in their arenas, and although and all that, right? So the Blue Jays cannot play in Canada. Right. Hmm. So I heard or I read somewhere that they will be playing in Buffalo, New York, right? Yeah, that's there, there's yeah, there, there's talks. The mayor was making some. I don't know if they finalized. I know the conversations were. Happening. Yeah, but there's a ballpark there, and they could play and so yeah. on. But that's that's interesting because actually they are coming back without fans, of course. But you know, it's it's a different it's a different logistic for for baseball, right? So each team will play in their in their stadiums, except the 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 Jays that you know the Canada the Canadian government didn't allow them to play. So they will play stateside and there. So my question comes for you know the NBA next season or even what we are you know expecting or studying here in Europe, for example with the Euroleague. So you know or the Champions League next season because now the tournament you know they they kind of managed to squeeze those games there in the Champions League. And they seem that they will have like a you know a, a, a one venue type of ending tournament, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, next season what happens? Will everyone will play in their in their countries and in their in their stadiums? Because that's a big question mark. Because as you know, even in Europe, which supposedly is one entity, uh, each country has its own regulations and its own uh, mm -hmm. processes. So you might have governments that say, uh, well, everyone that comes here has to have a, you know, a two week uh, yeah, quarantine. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the other question is, 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 is similar to this. So if we postpone the start of NBA, the start of EuroLeague, next year we have the Olympics. What kind of Olympic basketball tournament will we have next year? If it kind of, will there be even time between the end of the championship? Will this be, a very weak basketball tournament. I mean, we hope. Let's let's just. We hope to see everything go as as planned. I think the biggest question mark for the Olympics will be the Americans because they are the ones that are supposedly will start later, and they will want to have their full season because mm -hmm. we discuss the economics of it and it's their product and so on. 
So uh, there are plans or conversations, and I suppose that in part is because of the conversation with the International Federation and the Olympic movement to, to just have one month of vacation in between this bubble tournament and the start of the season. Uh, even some players in the videos that I told you are, you know, discussing that. Uh, then the, the theory that has been widespread in these uh, past few months is to start in, on, on Christmas week. So to have like a big comeback tournament, you know, Christmas momentous occasion and so on. But if you start in Christmas week, if, and if you want to have a full season, that most necessarily means that playoff teams, players, won't be at the Olympics. Yeah, and that includes a lot of international players that carry yeah. their national team. So that's, yeah. could we have a U.S. team like made up of college players? So I drove back to like 40 years ago. I, I, I think after the performance in the last world, world championship in China, which was NBA guys, but, you know, like not, not the top guys, not all of them. I don't think they, they want to go with, with, with even college players because the international game, it's at a different level now. And, and I think there's, there's teams that would destroy college players because like I was uh, mentioning before in, in previous episodes in Europe, you have got, this is grown, grown man pro professional, maybe with short stint in the NBA and very successful European careers uh, representing these different countries. I don't think you want to see in an Olympics uh, after the performance of, I think they came in what, six or seven in the champ in the world championship. You don't want to see another performance from the U.S. where where they're just getting yep. beaten regularly like that. But then, as a player, would you risk injury? Yeah, coming from where you're coming. I mean, if you're LeBron, I, I but, definitely, I think, I think that he will, you know, would love to go get that gold medal. I think, but if, to be honest, if the tournament I mean, wins the, a month. But Before? let me tell you, let me tell you something that that from from experience with with when I was in the states and in here, like and we do know this, even you can tell from outside looking in, the playoffs is a different beast of a turn of of of, uh, of a few weeks. It's it's the level of intensity is, is way higher than in the season, and there's there's a lot more things going on, and and it's, it's very very intense. But I can remember many comments from from top players. In those times where finishing the season, taking the break, and then getting into camp to get ready for for one international event was more detrimental to them than actually we go to the season. Maybe I'll take a week or two off, and then I continue training for camp, get into camp because of the mindset. The, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So like but the body, the body is different. The yeah, but I'm not talking about. I mean, probably, I think it was mentioned that LeBron wanted to play uh, and so on. He doesn't have to really. He already has like three three gold medals or something like that. So like he, did, he, did, he doesn't have to go do that. All the top players can, should take it's up the It's about the legacy, man. So. Yeah, it's about, uh, sure, it's a legacy play, of course. Um, making that comeback again, the second, second redeem, whatever. You know, all the stories that you can come around that. But I think uh, if they get a month in between, where you will see guys that they really won't like they would just slow down their training because naturally they're not really that heavy on training come playoff time they're they're more in, in a maintenance process yeah so like you you kind of slow down and then just pick up your training a little bit more towards the end of that month 
and then you get into camp and get into into the into the event. I don't see why top players would miss would miss the opportunity to to be in the Tokyo Olympics. So no, I mean, the if, biggest I, question I, would be if you can't get them that at least that month. That would be no, that, that's 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 another thing, and I think that in there, I, I don't know in the U.S., but in Europe, you need to give the players a month of vacation. Uh, even if there are, you know, there's legal regulation about that in certain countries. The U.S. is more well. draconian with those type of things. No, but no, no, but it's it's actually is even less. I mean, we've seen players that don't want to go to to play international games or with national teams because they are renegotiating a contract. Yeah, and right. they don't want to yeah. get injured. I mean, that's the reality of the game. So I, I, I uh, let's see, let's see how that unfolds and what decisions the NBA takes. Uh, I hope that the European leagues do start, you know, at the normal pace around October, because that will mean that you know players in Europe will manage to have. It's not going to be a normal season, but will manage to have their kind of normal timings. Re uh, but I, but I'm more interested in, in you know, in the international cross-border. Uh, type of tournaments yeah. uh, like like the American leagues and and the Champions League year league in, and see how that you, will unfold I, I in terms we will, of the logistics. Yeah, I guess we will see at least in the U.S. how it's been managed because obviously from state to state there's different different relations as you point out. Also, Canada is not allowing uh, the Blue Jays to play in their own stadium, but and we will see how those travel between those cities uh, happen between the teams. I can't wait to catch one of the games just to see the feel of an super empty stadium certainly will be interesting because obviously and the biggest you know the truck the, the the whale and the elephant in the room is what's going to happen with the nfl for american sports it's like what everybody's waiting for to see so it will be interesting i was also i'll try to share with you guys i read somewhere like maybe you could see like a a type of several bubbles type of event like i imagine like the conference is in a bubble and and then they start like transferring from bubble to bubble. So there's there's many theories of that, but I guess we will. Yeah, because in the NFL, actually, they have way less games, and they have games that are very much confined to their divisions and conferences, actually. So that scenario could play out, and actually they could condense their, their, their season very well. And I think, uh, I think that the only so thing is that, you know, each team is like 55 players, so... Refresh me, when is, the NBA season when, when is the NBA season supposed to finish? End of September, October, yeah, October something. Early October, October, yeah. So when 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 they were supposed to start, they they will be finished. I mean, you'll have you'll have you'll have the NBA finishing. You'll have the MLB going into sort of playoff, and then potentially the NFL. And this is the first time that all three major sports are in prime time since forever. So you will see who's king, right? Yeah, let's see who the king is. Yeah, I think it's NFL. My, you know what my hope is? My hope is that the NBA figures out a way to have like an off season, a shortened off season, because I don't think that would be an issue, especially since in the past few years you, you've had this new, let's say, system and game established by Pop with his management, and yeah. the and the ability to have uh, more players under under different structure of your contract that you have on the D League affiliate with D League affiliations. You could potentially have a restart of the season a little bit earlier than what's been thrown around about Christmas, maybe. No, but mind you, mind you that I think that's possible. And not lose so much. If you think of it, it's not it's not vacation or holidays, but it's actually. I mean, they haven't been competing for three months now, so they've been yeah. maintaining their bodies and they've been recuperating their bodies actually. So you know, it, the, 
depending on how it goes, they could they could you know start in late November something like but that. But I also think that this might be the time that NBA finally makes the schedule shorter. They've been talking about it for years. Maybe this is the yeah. time they say it's no longer eighty-two games; it's seventy, because players have been talking all this back-to-backs yeah. and That's all true. this. So they might be part they, of it. Yeah. It was a big part of the last conversations or negotiations. Or uh, CBA, yeah. The last, yeah. Yeah, last NBA. So, so it could be. It, it, it's all on the table. I guess we will have to wait for um, Silver and the teams to, you know, announce what the plans are, which probably they will do us soon after the, the, the restart. Where, where, where the All-Star was supposed to be in February? Chicago. No, it was. It was Chicago this year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At this year, point, they didn't announce it. Strange, right? Uh-huh. Next year, I don't know when where next year is. Uh, probably can find it real quick. Let me let me look for it. I mean, at this point, I, 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 I will cut this this little part out. I mean, at this point, I'm expecting Larry O'Brien Trophy to be a, a giant Mickey Mouse statue. Oh, Indiana. <laughs> uh, then Indiana. Well, Indiana, yeah. Indiana, Conseco Fieldhouse. It was supposed to be oh, yeah, Banker's no. Life Fieldhouse. No, no, no. It was su- supposed to be to be played the NBA All-Star Game in Indiana, uh, February fourteenth, twenty twenty-one. We'll see how that goes. If you start in November, sometime in November, you probably can do it. Maybe yeah, it would depend. It would depend on how you condense games and how many back-to-backs and so on. But probably mm. they could do an exception rule and actually shorten, you know, by a dozen the games of each team. And so you don't have to actually cram the players with, with more in, you know, games comprising in, in small Which amount of time. One of the biggest, was one of the biggest complaints on the last CBA negotiations was that they had too many, too many back-to-backs on the-, on the Yeah, they, 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 they dropped their back-to-back-to-backs, right? They only had back-to-backs yeah. and they need to have yeah. a, a, a day in the middle you know, before mm-hmm. the next game. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting. Now, now, what is what is certain is that that sports is is finding a way. After you know, and if we go back to our first episodes in which there was a lot of uncertain uncertainty and and you didn't know what will be if there will be seasons or or how the business will be affected and so on. I mean, in hindsight, probably the only guys that dropped the ball were the French and I think the Dutch and the the Belgians, right? Which, yeah, they uh, finished their seasons earlier. Just in, f- yeah. in football, they, 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 you know, they took a, a responsible decision. But I think that, you know, the stance that everyone else took that was okay. This is a suspension. We'll keep assessing the situation and try to try to come mm-hmm. back. Which was the case in the Euro League that you know there were conversations and they were exploring the comeback. But in the end, because mm-hmm. of the border situation, uh, it yeah. wasn't feasible. So yeah, I think for, uh, for from my point of view for for Euroleague's decision I think it was it was sensible because that complex the complexity about you know different countries all the traveling and so on and knowing the circumstances uh, in which we we find ourselves now but in terms of the French league I think because of the way they were hit in the initial in the initial uh, months of this of this pandemic I, I think they made the right the right decision I think it was, what about the Italians I mean, the Italians made the worst decision. Atalanta Bergamo was a hot spot after a Champions League game. That was what it started in all of Italy. So, oh, you know, I, I mean, in in the end, uh, only, I mean, we need but to be that, conscious. That, I mean, it, this is we're talking about 
people's health and life. Yeah. So if you don't know, and you say, you know what, if it's only money, what we're losing, I, I, I actually applaud them. I do recognize that now in hindsight, they're probably banging their heads against the wall because they could have resumed by now, like the other leagues, and minimize the impact that they have. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, a few of their teams will be playing Champions League even, you know, without competition. And you saw the friendlies and all that, you know, craziness now. So because they need competitive tension to actually be kind of ready for the Champions League. But probably, you know, probably this works for them, for PSG. And mm -hmm. actually they win it. I mean, who, who knows? But, but the reality is that, that what we see is that, you know, the, the industry is kind of shaping, shaping up and, and kind of fight, figuring it out and in terms of, you know, what to do. What we are hoping from the industry is that the other industries that actually serve as, as fuel to sports and entertainment are able to figure it out as well. You know, the other industries that we discussed before or uh, travel and so on to find a way to, you know, go back and, and try to recoup their business. And so we kind of find this, this strange situation in which we don't have fans in the stadiums so or we still can have the product and somehow alleviate the fans' demands for entertainment and, and, and sponsors for platforms to be able to communicate, so. Definitely. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, that's all that is to it. Let's, let's support our, our leagues and our favorite teams. Or Yankees. I, I, I well. I'm, I'm already yeah. wired for the Dominican Winter League, so, yeah. Oh, that's, and that's going to happen. It's going to be crazy and wild like it always is because that's how it is there. Yeah, and but I, I, I actually, I, I don't think if they, are, they are going to allow people in the stadiums. Uh, I mean, we have to see, man. This, this, it's, it's for October. Um, I, I know as, as the Dominican uh, government announced an extension of the state of emergency. 45 for days another, more. Think, 45 days more. We will see, man. Which actually is it's 45 days, which will, will be the moment in which the new government comes in. They will inherit that. So they will need to take the decisions. But they are part now in the transition uh, yeah. uh, process. They are part now of those decisions as well. So it seems on paper that our politicians are behaving like, like statesmen. So let's see. Let's see how that transition goes. But actually, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the winter baseball league, to the NBA. Let's see how major leagues unfold and, and this season, which is a weird season. Probably in terms of a month game, it's no different than, you know, strike season, probably. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And, and the good part is that, you know, sport is back. This weekend, MotoGP started as well. Different faces in the podium and actually different faces in the bikes from what, from the moment the season was supposed to start to now. The riders change teams in between the pandemic. So that it's, it's, is crazy. So Formula One is going, you know, everyone is out there trying to do their thing. So, so yeah, I think that now is, uh, is, is going to be a good moment for, you know, the regrouping and the rethinking of marketing and brand partnerships and, and, sure. and see how that, that will look like in the new, in the new reality. For sure. Well, guys, I feel we, we covered some ground and we're not going to discuss anything else although by the way we could talk about you know all these transfers in the euroleague 
for that would be effective for the Euroleague. What what who do you see as your favorite team? Barca. It's, it's too easy, man. It's always been the same team. <laughs> really? Not really. Not not really. In Euroleague, I haven't been always Barca. I, I, it's Partizan or when, Barca, but you know both. both no, what but is that's for way? you. Yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, but also with the with the changes that are uh, you know the players that are bringing on and the coach, I'm again feeling optimistic, just like I felt optimistic this year. Uh, How about Milano? Ooh, it'll be interesting. I think Fenerbahce is going to have an interesting season first without Obradovic as a Igor Kokoshkovna as the coach. You know, they're talking about Obradovic potentially coming to coming back to Partizan next year. The, this year, there's another coach in place, but some are saying Obradovic is taking a year off and next year could be back in Partizan. That would be yeah, that could, the return of the prodigal child. No, there's there's a lot of movement, you know. I think, before I think so Valencia far, is, is signing good players. Yeah. Uh, Barca is reinforcing. There are rumors that they might get a uh, very big guy in the next few weeks as well. Um, Vesely is the is the biggest rumor for Barca. Like, to, there's another guy. <laughs> a bit bigger. Drop it. Drop it. You're you're not revealing anything. Drop no, it. I mean it's the news, know. but but you know there are rumors, although it has been denied by the club. But you know how sports works. And the, the moment they deny it or they give support to their coach, that's the it's that's the moment in which they change things. That Pavasol will come back. For, yeah, that is that is. To Barca, some are mentioning uh, he wants to play. But... Yeah, he wants to play uh, last season professional. That was you know part of his plan, but now because of his situation, he seems to be recovered from his injuries and. He wants to play because he wants to, to be in top shape for the Olympics with the Spanish national team, which will be his last, actually, you know, act as a basketball player. So yeah, that's that's on the table. We'll see. I, I, I honestly, I think that it's a very uh, round story if Powell Powell comes back because and play, eventually and play he will be. In terms of your league, yeah, playing with Jessica Vicious, with Nikola Mirotic, with a, with a you know, very damn good team. Nikola um, is a great point guard in Europe. The best, the best point guard in the game right now. But I think that it would be interesting because he will go out and that will be, in terms of your league, his second season in the year league. He only played one season in the year league with Barca, then he went to, yeah. to, to the NBA. And he will, you know, close the circle here back home, and that would be interesting as well to see. And actually, the role that he could have into, you know, developing would, and. Either players. would his role? Uh, I don't know if you heard, but it, would, would his role be limited to some league games and most and all Europe Euro league games, similar to what Scola was doing with Milan? Not at all. I don't know. I don't have. A, I mean, he's. I mean, the difference with Scola. I mean, I don't know the, the state of, you know, physically how they are, but the difference with Scola is that Scola was active and he wanted to, you know, do some load management at the highest level, that's why. But then, you know, everything got postponed, canceled and so on. He is playing in Italy still. He will play in another professional league. I, I don't, I, either Brindisi or another team he's, been, he's playing, also with the objective to, to play for Argentina in the Olympics as his final act as well. In the case of Pau, it's different because Pau, he hasn't played in over a year. Yeah, for a year. Yeah. So I think that he will, in order to, to reach up level, uh, evidently, and keep healthy, I think he will need to play more than what Scola was planning to play. But I, I mean, that's me thinking out loud. That I, I have no guessing, idea yeah. if, that, if that will be the case. But yeah, there's a lot of movement. There are good teams that are 
and, and actually, you know, not big names, but but there are incorporating good players like Valencia, or or uh, you know, FS is there pretty much intact, and and yeah. they and they have they have unfinished business. I mean, they were aiming for the trophy, so that will be interesting to see how it plays out. They they made a renew the contract with with Shane Larkin as well. He will stay. Uh, for a couple of years, I suppose that he has an NBA out, but he's extended for two more years. And yeah, Real Madrid is there. Yeah, and Basconia, which won the, the the Spanish league. You know, it's. I think I think that the comeback for the Euro League will be interesting because of you know the situation is highly unfair to the challenger to to the to the contenders of last year because I think we were set to to see a playoff run and uh, early final four for the ages with the teams, you know, that were there, you know, bars and WFS and so on. But I think that now it's, it's fair game for everyone else. And the changes that you've seen could shift the power of, of certain things. I, I really like, uh, at least on paper, let's see how, how it behaves on court, the, the, the project in Milano. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, Ettore, you know, he's one of the best coaches and now yeah. and he's in charge of, of personnel as well. So he started, you know, calling out these, these players and building that team. And I think it's going to be a contender team as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year league season. Yeah. For what, you know, my guys at the year league have shown me in terms of data, they were sharing all the records in terms of engagement, reach and all that. Even was, at the, at the moment of stoppage. It was before that the previous season as well, and actually, it you know it, it goes to show the strength of the product. This was the first season, at least at the Turkish Challenge Euro League level, that that uh, was comprised of eighteen teams uh, instead of sixteen as what as it was before, and the growth that the product has had in Italy, in France especially, with as well has been tremendous. Germany is growing like crazy because you have a, a team like uh, FC Bayern. They're actually having a very steady model and a very, a very you know, competitive team. Then Alba Berlin as well, which is a traditional fixture in the in the yearly. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's a good moment for basketball in general in Europe. I've just seen different local leagues and so on, and I think the yearly is actually the the entity and the competition that has lifted up the game for everyone else. So that's that's great. I think on that note, we will leave it for today. And it was dope. I love talking basketball with you guys. Maybe next time we will talk about a little bit more baseball. This marks the end of the first season for this podcast. We will resume after the summer holidays and we'll come back with much more content about our favorite topics around the world of business of sports. This episode is brought to you, as always, by The Connect. The Connect is Raider Luis Baez. Follow the Intersection podcast in your favorite podcasting platform, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. This will really help us be found by more of you interested in the topics of sports marketing and deal making. Until the next one.